Africa service of Vatican Radio. Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa. Welcome to your Sunday liturgy. This is the program that accompanies you as you prepare for the Sunday Eucharistic celebration. After the Sunday liturgy, you can listen to our bulletin of church news that will be followed by Panorama. Then, our feature, The World Around Us, with news about our environment. I'm Father Paul Samasumo. The three apostles, Peter, James, and John, while on the mountain of the Transfiguration, received a glimpse of heaven. May this Lenten period be such that we too get a glimpse of that everlasting glory. Second Sunday of Lent. A reading from the book of Genesis. God put Abraham to the test. He called to him, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son Isaac, your only one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him up as a holocaust, on a height that I will point out to you. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Then he reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the Lord's messenger called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he answered. Do not lay your hand on the boy, said the messenger. Do not do the least thing to him. 
I know now how devoted you are to God, since you did not withhold from me your own beloved son. As Abraham looked about, he spied a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he went and took the ram and offered it up as a holocaust in place of his son. Again the Lord's messenger called to Abraham from heaven and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you acted as you did in not withholding from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth shall find blessing. All this because you obeyed my command. The Word of the Lord. I will walk before the Lord in the land of A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. And now with this week's Sunday Liturgy Reflection, here is Father Enobong. Abraham did same. He did not hesitate to do as God commanded him. When Isaac asked him about the lamb for the sacrifice, he responded saying, The Lord will provide. This confirms the fact that the Lord cannot allow us to pass through any trial for which he cannot save us. All that is expected of us is faith in God. Faith in God must always go with patience and complete surrender to God who is always faithful. The transfiguration account presented in Mark's Gospel chapter 9 tells us that God is faithful to his promise. Jesus' transfiguration in the midst of the two great figures of the Old Testament, Moses, who represented the law, and Elijah, the prophets, confirms the fact that Christ is the fulfillment of the Father's promise. These holy men did not see the fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah in the flesh, but they contributed to its fulfillment. Every one of us have a role to play in the fulfillment of God's plan in the world. We have something important to contribute wherever we find ourselves, beginning with our family, the parish community, and society at large. 
as we pray and work for the betterment of things in the face of trials, let us trust, believe, and surrender all to God, knowing that what God has promised will be fulfilled. Remember, God is faithful even when we are unfaithful. May the message of Christ in all its richness continue to find a home in our hearts. Through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Peace be with you. Robin Piri, Father Hilary Munyaneza, and Father Enobangudaidium contributed to the program. I'm Father Paul Samasumo. Do stay tuned in for our Bulletin of Church News and later the world around us, all about our environment. Pope Francis on Saturday cancelled his engagements for the day because of some mild flu he has developed. The cancellation is a precautionary measure, said the Holy See Press Office in its address to journalists in a statement on Saturday. Between Monday and Friday last week, the Holy Father took part in the Lenten spiritual exercises. The event was part of the period of the liturgical year set aside for prayer and reconciliation. Pope Francis has emphasized the importance of a personal experience of the annual spiritual exercises for himself and his collaborators in the Roman Curia. During the past week, all of the Holy Father's engagements were suspended, including the Wednesday general audience. Paper appointments had been scheduled to resume on Saturday. And despite his not feeling too well, the Holy Father on Saturday reminded the faithful and the entire Christendom about the importance of the observance of the period of Lent. Writing in his Twitter message, Pope Francis said that if our Lent is to be concrete, the first step is to desire to open our eyes to reality. The cry of so many of our oppressed brothers and sisters, the Pope said, rises to heaven. Let us ask ourselves, do we hear that cry? Does it trouble us? Does it move us? Questioned the Pope in his Twitter message. The annual general meeting of the Southern African Catholic Council of Laity is currently underway in South Africa. The Bishops' Conference of Southern Africa comprises South Africa, Botswana and Eswatini, formerly Swaziland. The 23rd to 25th February gathering has as its theme the living, the bread and the salt, bringing the late together for the collaborative ministry with the clergy and is taking place at Lumco Center in the Benoni Gauteng province of South Africa. 
representatives from 29 dioceses are in attendance and are expected to give their relative reports to the executive committee and to familiarize themselves with the roles and responsibilities of the Council for Laity according to the Council's revised constitution. Bishop Noel Andrew Rukaso is the Bishop of the South African Diocese of Utsion. He also doubles as the liaison bishop for the family, marriage and family life. Bishop Rukaso is also attending the three-day annual general meeting of the Southern African Catholic Council for the Laity. On the sidelines of the meeting, Bishop Rukaso spoke to Sheila Pirish, who asked him to talk about some of the difficulties facing the clergy as they minister to the faithful in the region. The challenges that they face are in our country, and I guess that's where our primary focus should be. In the southern African region, we have violence. We have gender-based violence. We have crime escalating. I happened to hear on the news uh, yesterday where the Premier of the Western Cape was saying, we seem to be winning the battle, and then there was the news broadcast saying, it is on the rise violence and crime. So, you know, we're trying all the time to battle. So how does the church accompany? I think it's essential for us to go back to basics and recognize that as priests, deacons, bishops, we all come from families and to bring our personal experience and a recognition that we don't stand above, but we stand next to. And that accompaniment in recognizing that people do have hardships, that families are struggling. And it's about creating that awareness within ourselves, going back to our own roots and saying, what was it like growing up in my home? How did my parents deal with those struggles? When it came to financial difficulties, when it came to having to battle life, did they share it with us or did they go to the bedroom and discuss it? Did they say to us, you know, you need to be vigilant, you need to hear and be focused on what's happening in the world? And so that Co-responsibility, that accompaniment is how we essentially as clergy can assist families. We also know that families at this time are broken. And I often remark in the diocese, especially now just having done our clergy conference, I said how very important it is for us to build that nuclear family because it is the foundation of society. And it is, if it's broken, society is broken. And when society is broken, we've got to go back to what we initially had. And so families, for me, are so very important, upholding the dignity of a family, encouraging family members to stay together, counseling, providing all those opportunities to accompany, as Pope Francis says in Amoris Laetitia. Liaison Bishop for the Family, Marriage and Family Life for the Bishops of Southern Africa, Noel Rucaso, talking to Communications Office of the Catholic Bishops Conference of Southern Africa, Sheila Piresh. The United Nations Human Rights Office has said in a new report that scores of people, including children, have been subjected to rape and other forms of sexual violence in the ongoing conflict in Sudan. In its latest report on Friday, the United Nations Rights Body said that the assaults may amount to war crimes. Sudan plunged into chaos in mid-April last year when clashes erupted in the capital Khartoum between rival Sudanese forces with one led by General Abdel Fattah Buran and the other by paramilitary commander General Mohamed Hamdan Dagalo. 
The fighting quickly spread across the African country, especially in urban areas, but also the rest of western Darfur region. Deborah Lubav reports. According to the UN Human Rights Office on Friday, both sides in Sudan's civil war have committed abuses that may amount to war crimes, including indiscriminate attacks on civilian sites like hospitals, markets, and even camps for the displaced. Efforts so far have failed to end the 10-month-old conflict that pits Sudan's regular armed forces and the paramilitary rapid support forces. Thousands of people have been killed and some 8 million forced to flee their homes, making it the country with the largest displaced population in the world. Some of these violations would amount to war crimes, the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights said in a statement accompanying the report. The guns must be silenced, he said, and civilians must be protected. Separate from the report, which investigates incidents through to December, the commissioner's office said on Friday that it had reviewed credible, though unconfirmed, video evidence appearing to show soldiers in army uniforms parading with decapitated heads of perceived RSF supporters while chanting ethnic slurs. Sudan's army said that the footage was shocking and that it would investigate. A U.N. rights spokesperson said that the high commissioner's office would follow up with the Sudanese authorities on the progress of the investigation. The U.S. has already formally determined that the warring parties have committed war crimes and said the RSF and allied militias were involved in ethnic cleansing in West Darfur. Both sides have said they would investigate reports of killings and abuses and prosecute any fighters found to be involved. The United Nations report is based on interviews with over 300 victims and witnesses as well as footage and satellite imagery. It says that sometimes those fleeing for their lives or displaced by the violence became victims of explosive weapons attacks. In one incident, dozens of displaced people were killed when their camp in Zalinge, Darfur, was shelled in September, while on the 22nd of August, some 26 civilians, mostly women and children, were killed by shells reportedly fired by the Sudanese armed forces while sheltering under a bridge. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubav. Six religious and a priest have been kidnapped and held captive in Haiti. The religious in the conflict-ridden Caribbean nation are therefore appealing for the immediate release of the Brothers of the Sacred Heart and the priests who were abducted in the Haitian capital, Port-au-Prince, on Friday. Their seizure happened as the gang warfare gripping the nation continues. Lisa Zengarini reports. The six religious belonging to the congregation of the Brothers of the Sacred Heart were abducted on Friday morning by an armed group as they travelled to the École Jean Ventroy in downtown Port-au-Prince. The Catholic school is the only one still operating in the high-risk area of the Haitian capital. On the same day, a priest who had just celebrated Mass in a church in the city's Bicentenaire district was also kidnapped. In a statement, religious men and women in Haiti urged for the immediate release of the hostages and an end to insecurity in the country, which has long been in the grip of gang violence. The abductions are the latest in a long string of kidnappings and come just a month after the release of six nuns who had been abducted by gunmen six days earlier. Gang warfare has dramatically increased in the Caribbean nation since the assassination of President Jovenel Moise in July 2021. The killing worsened criminal control in Haiti and today innocent people are regularly killed, raped and held for ransom. 
gang feuds don't spare even church personnel, as shown by the explosion that on January the 28th injured Bishop Pierre-André Dumas, the vice president of the Haitian bishops. According to local church sources, his health conditions are now improving. The UN reported that January 2024 was the bloodiest month in over two years, with at least 1,100 people killed, injured or kidnapped. In recent days, major Haitian cities have experienced further unrest during opposition-led protests demanding the resignation of interim Prime Minister Ariel Henry, who was supposed to hold elections on February the 7th. I am Lisa Zengarini. You are tuned to the Daily Africa service of Vatican Radio. Hello and welcome to the World Around Us news about our environment. In this edition, the African Union bans the killing of donkeys for their skins. The UN Wildlife Conservation Conference ends in Uzbekistan and Nairobi preparing to host the 6th UN Environment Assembly. I am Festus Tarawali. The African Union has announced a 15-year continent-wide ban on slaughtering donkeys for their skin. The decision reached on the concluding day of the recent African Union summit in Ethiopia will prevent countless donkeys from being violently killed so that their skins can be exported, especially to China. Demand for the hides of donkeys is fueled by the popularity of an ancient Chinese medicine called Ijiao, traditionally made from the skins of donkeys. The charity, the Donkey Sanctuary, called the trade brutal and unsustainable and said it had decimated donkey populations around the world, particularly in Africa and South America. Activists have said farmers who depend on donkeys for their livelihoods have seen theft and cruel treatment of the animals as a result of the increased demand. As a follow-up to our report last week on the decline in the world's migratory species, a host of new measures to safeguard such species were adopted at the just-concluded UN Wildlife Conservation Conference in Samarkand in Uzbekistan. The measures agreed upon at the 14th meeting of the Conference of the Parties to the Convention on the Conservation of Migratory Species of Wild Animals, or COP14, on the 17th of February, added 14 species to the coverage of the convention. They include the Euro-Asian lynx, the palace cat, and the sand tiger shark. Other measures were adopted to safeguard species such as the chimpanzee and the giraffe. The sixth session of the United Nations Environment Assembly, also known as UNEA 6, is scheduled to take place from the 26th of February to the 1st of March at UN Environment Program headquarters in Nairobi, Kenya. As the world's top decision-making body on the environment, UNEA aims to help restore harmony between humanity and nature, improving the lives of the world's most vulnerable people. The current president of the UN Environment Assembly is Her Excellency Leila Benali, Morocco's Minister of Energy Transition and Sustainable Development. She made the following comments ahead of the opening of the meeting next week. This month, February 2024, 193 UN member states will gather in Nairobi, Kenya for the UN Environment Assembly, or UNEA as we like to call it. Never have we needed to tackle 
the triple urgency of our times, climate, biodiversity loss, nature, and pollution more urgently. UNEA offers an opportunity for us to come together, to be less distracted by the crisis of our times, and lay the foundation for a brighter, more sustainable future. UNEA offers an opportunity to demonstrate that multilateralism is the bedrock for all global progress, because we can only transform our world if we work as one in a credible manner. And working as one means including the voices beyond government, beyond multilateralism, the voices of youth, the voices of civil society, the voice of academia and science, the voice of indigenous people and minorities, and the voice of the private sector. And above all, this UNEA needs to be one of action. We must focus on strengthening the bonds between science and policymaking. We must accelerate progress and synergies between our global environmental agreements. We must find practical ways to advance the human right to a healthy environment that is crucial for our development and that is crucial for sustainable development of the world. The benefits of action are clear. When we protect nature, public health improves. When we focus on sustainable solutions to the climate crisis, our economies get stronger. And when we put science at the forefront of our decisions, the outcomes are better for everyone. The world will be watching us. The world will be watching what happens at this UNEA. Expectations are very high. To my fellow delegates, I say this. We must ensure our ambition matches those expectations, matches the high expectations of our people. History has clearly demonstrated what humanity can achieve when we all work together credibly. Let's take this opportunity to make real transformative change for people, for planet, and for humanity. Leila Ben-Ali, UN Environment Assembly President and Morocco's Minister of Energy Transition and Sustainable Development. And that's all for this edition of The World Around Us, news about our environment. Till the same time next week, I am Festos Tarawali. This is the Africa service of Vatican Radio and I am Kanyanta Godfrey Kampamba. Praised be Jesus Christ. Laudetu Jesus Christus. Oh,